Welcome to the newest episode of The Jay Davis Show. I'm super excited for our guest today. Uh, his name is John O'Strong. He's a good friend, works all the time with Creatively, one of the people we just love being around and working with. So welcome to the show, Jono. What's up, Jay? How you doing, man? Doing good. Thanks for coming. Good. Yeah. I'm excited too, man. It's I, I love the show. All the guests you've had on it have been amazing. So don't expect much, guys, but <laughs> you're yeah, out right. here. No. <laughs> so excited to have you. Uh, so you're the president of Empire Media. Mm -hmm. It's a... How would you how would you describe Empire? I don't want to yeah. pigeonhole you guys too much. So, I mean, we traditionally speaking, we we are an ad agency, even though we we kind of profess ourselves to be the anti agency. <laughs> uh, our model is a little bit different, right? We we ba we basically are a group of ad buyers of experienced ad buyers that all work together and help each other out on accounts. Um, Empire Media, you know, we're the main lead source and we only hire guys who have five plus years of experience um, so that, you know, we want to make sure that clients have the best experience possible because really like in the traditional agency model, I think from bouncing around multiple agencies ourselves as, you know, the, the, the partners of Empire Media, there's just a lot of inconsistencies, right? You, you always get an agency, you go in the first time, and there's really smart people who are selling you. Um, but the bigger agencies, typically you'll have the big guys sell you, you have like medium guys managing your account, and then the new guys who are doing all the work, right? So it's it's kind of backwards, right? I feel like you should have the best guys working on your account, no matter what account it is, no matter how big or how small it is. So... To solve that, like I said, we, we only hire guys that have five plus years of experience that we know do really good work um, to mitigate any risk that clients may have taking on an agency partner. Oh, I mean, they're all they're all paid super well as well because um, that's also the biggest thing is I feel like nowadays agencies are starting to cut back even more because the the market gets it's gotten so oversaturated with so many amazing ad buying agencies right but the problem is is that a lot of these ad buyers they're they're starting to find that they can make a lot more in-house to have a lot less stress as well or they can start their own agency that's why there's so many popping up you know they, they can start their own agency and make way more money so we we like to I think that having an agency is super powerful because the mind power together in problem solving is so much better than just one person doing everything in a box, right? So, I mean, agencies obviously are, are super valuable, but really the value that we bring to all of our ad buyers is we just want to help out. You know, we, we try to get as involved as we can in all of our ad buyers' accounts um, and, and help them out as much as possible. So it's, it's a really collaborative space as well. Um, that's what we're trying to make the, the culture like. Everyone helps out. If someone has done something more time than another guy, you know, like we're helping them train them on new skills that they have to offer. So it's also a really cool thing. Like each of us brings a, something different to the table because we've all had different experiences with different clients, different products. And so we can really help each other 
learn how to do things better together. That's awesome. Well, and how did you get into it? Like, what was your kind of career path for anyone who's interested in, in becoming an ad buyer? What's, how'd you get into it? Maybe how would you recommend others now? Cause the industry is constantly changing. Yeah. I, I, so I started, I started doing some accounts myself. Like I, I, you know, I had typical kind of entrepreneur mindset, like I'm just going to like, you know, pack this to success, you know? Um, and so I actually had a biz, I had a few businesses. One was a, you know, like a Squishmallows. Oh yeah. Yeah. So when I was in college, I started a little drop shipping business doing, they were Squishmallows basically, you know, it was before Squishmallows was the name. I just, I called them stuffies. <laughs> they were just these big stuffed animals that were super squishy. It was like a college project. So, you know, I was just kind of testing things out put some ad spend behind it, had no success at all. <laughs> I think I might've sold two of those things and one was to a friend. <laughs> the other one was your mom. Yeah, Love no, that. I, no, I don't think my mom even bought. <laughs> She's like, this is- I didn't tell her about it. You know, I was too embarrassed. I was like, you know, <laughs> let's, let's just try this out, see how it goes. So, you know, I, I tried to learn myself, spent some money, made some mistakes, and I just decided that I- needed to like go somewhere else. I was going to learn this. And, you know, I, I actually thought about like, like what is the most useful skill that I could use in, in running a business by myself in the future? And I talked to a lot of people about it. Like it was a big decision and I wanted to make, to make it into my career before I left and made my, my own business, you know, started my own business. So decided on marketing because I think objectively it, it is one of the most is one of the hardest aspects of business because there's really no clear path to success. You know, shipping out a product, doing fulfillment, very clear path, right? It's set up an infrastructure, make it run perfectly, and it's a a to b, a to z, you know. But ad buying and marketing is a to it, it's z to c to l to k, you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just jumps around. Well, yeah, it's constantly changing too. Totally, yeah. I think of all the things in entrepreneurship, it's the thing that changes really fast. Like Totally. Five years ago, we were pretty much sourcing products the same way as we are today, but five years ago, we were not doing marketing the way we're doing marketing today. Totally. It is so different. And so, yeah, I, I think that's the main thing that led me to the path that I'm on. And um, I think as an ad buyer... You have to be, especially Facebook, Google is a little different. You kind of have to have two sides of the brain, I think, because you have to have partly a creative brain, but then you also have to have, to have a deeply analytical brain as well. So people who have ADD and can't decide what <laughs> what they love that. Which side of the brain they want to use. It's a pretty good, good path for them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think that's also what's fun about agency work is you're constantly, every day is like doing this, then this, then this, and this, and you're jumping between things, and that's really fun and exciting. Absolutely. Uh, it makes it never boring. So I literally what's... just tweeted this morning, do you guys ever wake up in the day and just can't decide what tasks you need to prioritize because you have so many that are important? <laughs> every day. That's that's, that's agency work. Like, 
dang it, I have a hundred things I need to get done. Yeah. Um, what What do you feel like is the biggest mistakes? Like you have people, I'm sure, constantly pitching you. What do you think is the biggest misconceptions about ad buying? Uh, I can share some that I think are kind of fun uh, <laughs> that I hear from people. But what do you think are like those common things that you're like, that's not how ad buying is at all? Yeah. Or what do you think the major mistakes people are making right now in, in the marketing world? Yeah. I mean, I would say from a client to agency perspective, like it's, I think that they see it a little bit too, two dimensionally. Um, and obviously like when you look at it from the outside in, it looks like that because every agency, you know, they lead with their best case studies. It's like, this is the explosive growth we've seen with X customer because, you know, we, we took them from, from here to here and, and everyone's just like, well, if I spend money on marketing, this is going to happen to me too. And oftentimes we have to like really sit down before we even sign a client and set the proper expectations. Like, listen, like marketing isn't a silver bullet. If everyone had the answer to how to scale a business perfectly each time, there's there's definitely pillars, you know. I think there's pillars that you need to have in place that ensure your success, but every path is different. And so I think that the biggest misconception yet yeah, is that people think there's a silver bullet when really it's, like I said before, you're jumping around, you're testing hypotheses, and sooner or later you're going to find the right mix. Um, but it's going to take some time, typically, to to, to finally find that that perfect path for that business yeah no i love that I, I think that's what's so exactly what you said about marketing there's this belief in marketing that you have to have and so one of the ones i always hate is when people are like show me that you can do this show me a client exactly like me <laughs> that's just that's in marketing this year that you've done marketing for this year and that had the exact same challenges, exact same product. I'm like, then I wouldn't be talking to you. That's not how this works. Yeah. And I think that's what's hard about marketing. Because exactly like you said, there's a, this other part of fulfillment or the operational side of the business. It's like usually that operational side of the business. And, and you still need belief there too. It, it's something we talk a lot about in our companies that it can be easy for one side of the business to like, Dude, we're going for it. And then the other side of the business be like, those guys are nuts. We're not doing that. I'm yeah. not getting ready for that growth. And so it's hard to balance that. But I think that marketing usually needs to lead that out. They need to say, hey, we're going to do a bunch of marketing. And when we do this marketing, it's going to work. And here's what's going to happen. You guys need to prepare for that demand that's going to come and yeah. make sure that we have the supply. But we have to have the faith as marketers. We can create that demand for them to build the supply. And I think that's what's really hard is it is that driving force. And so, you know, when you miss numbers, no one's saying, well, operational team, what did you do? It's like, well, yep. they just fulfilled the demand we create. And so okay. that's where it gets really hard. It's hard to be that marketing group and have that focus. I was going to say one of the things I think is funniest about ad buying is that so many people think there's like some magic button <laughs> that ad buyers can press that gets better ROAS. They're just oh, like, dude, press, time. press that magic ROAS button. Yeah. Why aren't you pressing it for me? <laughs> it's And it's not that way at all. People see it as like day trading yeah, and kind of like going in and you're constantly 
tweaking things and adjusting dials like you're sitting in front of a call board <laughs> in the 19, early 1900s placing calls yeah, like, it's not like that at all plugging thing yeah <laughs> you're the or the the bloomberg terminal you know where people are like and pressing much stuff it's like it's much more foundational big picture thinking than that yeah yeah, and every every business is different too, you know, like we've said, like some mm-hmm. some businesses you're going to like find like, you know, the product's just so good that even the simplest ads are just going to crush it. But then yeah. you have some businesses that are, you know, commodity goods, they're 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 universal and people expect those to blow up too, and it's like you know, there there's a difference. Like there's so many different pieces to the pie that you have to think about here. And if, if you're one business, you're going to have a totally separate strategy in acquiring customers. Another business, you know, maybe maybe it's all retention-based, you know. So different types of ads for every business. And I think the biggest misconception, another big misconception is that they know exactly what they need. Like most clients think that they've figured it out already. This is the way to sell. And, and, you know, it, that goes into their brand ethos that goes all the way down to like the core of like who we are as a brand. Like we, we know exactly what we are and who we are. And really, really like, I think you can learn a lot about who you are as a brand by the data, um, and, and from ad buying, because Facebook, it's so great at giving you mass quantities of, da- of, of data in an hour, you know, I mean, usually, you know, we want to test for more than that, but. You know, the fact is that you can get a hundred thousand people to watch something totally, and learn an a hour. ton about your brand and 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 what messaging is actually right. You know, so I think if I could tell anything to any brand owners is don't be afraid to test things that do not seem like they're on brand. Yeah, um, test everything. You never know what's going to work. It's not going to hurt your brand. Sales are going to actually help your brand. <laughs> Turns out, yeah, turns businesses out. are made to make money, yep. not to be cool for you to stroke your ego. Well, and I, I think that that's so true, especially founders. I think founders naturally have this problem where they think their customers are them. And especially as your brand grows, your customers are going to use it in a way you never imagined or ever would use that product. Um, and I I'd especially notice this with influencer or celebrity-led brands that we talk to, where they just kind of are like, everyone's buying because it's me and they're just like me and they want to be me. And it's like, no, that's actually not the motivation. And you can get so disconnected from your customers to where you just don't really know what, why they're buying. Totally. Yeah. That's interesting. You've probably seen that. I mean, early on in pillow cube, like what did you, did that ever happen to you? I don't know. Oh yeah. (laughs) No, probably Probably a really great pillow cube story with that is we originally launched with this kind of square pillow. It was like oh, yeah, 12 like by the, 12 by six. It's like the kid one. Is that the. So that's it eventually morphed into a couple of things. So eventually became we did a kid's version that was that same uh, form factor, but um, it flipped open for little kids and kind of became this stuffed animal. But like one, as we surveyed customers and talked to customers, because then we were li- released one that was much more similar to a standard pillow in like area, like surface area, like it's twelve by twenty-four. We now have bigger ones that are fourteen by twenty-eight, mm. and that's more standard 
like pillow shape. Yeah. Uh, when you're looking at it from above, from the side, it's still very different, but from above, it's more standard. But that original like twelve by twelve one, we would talk to customers, and it was really interesting because that that was fulfilling a couple different holes. And it was only by talking to customers that we figured this out that like Good. one of the things people were using that for was a travel pillow, but not. Not a travel pillow like we usually talk about travel pillows. People were taking that when going on trips to use in the hotel. Oh, interesting. They were saying, I want I want to oh. sleep on my own pillow. That's not like a super standard practice. No. Like most people don't take their own pillows on trips. It's hard. So that was interesting. That was an interesting data point. Yeah. Just a, it's small enough. And then another. In your suitcase, right? That's that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, huh, and it's small that. so you can throw it in your suitcase. Another thing we saw with that pillow was it was being used by people who use CPAP machines and they, they wanted to force themselves to stay on one side. So huh. kind of that negative feedback early on what? was like and people who liked rolling from side to side wanted the wider version. That's so random. But the people with the CPAP machine did not want to roll and they wanted to train themselves to not roll. And so they liked that one because when they turned onto their back, it was like falling off of a cliff <laughs> and like dropping on the bed. And so- um, That's cool. And then some people bought it because it was the cheapest entryway into the brand. Cool. And so eventually as we did more work with that, we realized like, oh, that's we don't want that to be the entryway because it's, it's more of a niche use case for travel and for CPAP users. And so we're creating this fall, we're launching a travel specific version that's, that includes a sleep mask for uh, the plane and then the pillow for the hotel. Yeah. And then a compression bag so you can pack it all really easy and small. Interesting. And then the main, the, you know, rectangular one, we made the entryway into the brand. We lowered the price and that's been really awesome. So yeah. again, it's like so easy to kind of assume. I also, one of the other ones that a lot of people says they said, I have that in my office. It's the greatest napping pill I've ever used. And <laughs> it really is. You throw that thing on a couch really? and it is... All right, Jim, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to get one uh, a set in the office. <laughs> oh, dude, it's the best. If you have a couch in your office, it's like the greatest. Like uh, afternoon when you're tired from all the food you ate at lunch, you're like, yeah, I'm gonna take a little twenty minute power nap. You know, that sounds so, amazing. I wish I had time. That's for that. A, that was a very. <laughs> it was really easy to like get stuck in thinking. We know exactly what this is for. Yeah. Sounds cool. Yeah, and and you only found out about all those use cases because you spent so much money advertising the thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, and then you start to see like, oh, this is converting well, this isn't. Why isn't it converting well? That's that's another thing I noticed. I think great marketers are always willing to kind of like not jump to too extreme of a conclusion. So you're you're willing to kind of sit and say like, hey, you know, some people are like, oh, we spend that. $10,000, we made 1000 that sucks. Uh, this is a failure. And I think great marketers are willing to be like, well, I want to dive in a little more. What else is going on here? And then you start going through and you're like, wait, we're when we, we're paying for you know someone to go to the website, it's really cheap compared to other clients. And the website duration is really, really, really high. They're sticking around on the website for a long time. And then for some reason, they're just not buying. So there's something else happening here. Let's figure that out. And we've had so, the kids pill is a great example. It's another thing that early on, we did a ton of money on the Kickstarter. It was really great. Not a ton, but it was like, oh, this is awesome. We did about $100,000 
on a product launch and we're like, oh, that's great. And then it just didn't sell as well. And it was, we had to change things. People, it was too, too high of a price. People wanted it to be smaller. They wanted different materials. They wanted, uh, you know, something to protect it in case their kid threw up well, on it. Like it's a lot of feedback. It, yeah. So you just, you just keep optimizing. So again, anyways, what? you wouldn't have found out all that feedback if you hadn't spent the money in the first place. Right. Yeah. You could have. And that's, and that's the hardest thing I'm sure for you guys is convincing people to do that. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes. Um, I, I, I think it used to be harder for me, but as I've, I feel like I've developed, we've developed a pretty good strategy of like how we, how we explain that to them. Cause if you have solid hypotheses that you come up with, with your client, you know, that's, that's the key part. You need to get them on board. And if you're testing things methodically and very selectively, they can't say that it's your fault, you know? If you planned it with them and you're like, hey, this is this is exactly what we're going to do. We're going to test these three hypotheses because we think these are the best ways to sell your product. We're going to spend $1,000 on each of these, 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 these hooks or these ads or these hypotheses. From here, we're going to know if some of these are great or some of these are not good. But as an ad buyer, you have to be humble enough to accept your defeats and turn that into a win in some way, right? Because, I mean, let's say you're testing hook number one, it doesn't do good, but the other two do well. It's not a loss testing that first one. You just know now that this is not the direction that you want to go for a brand. And this can be even translated to organic, you know? Um, You can learn a lot from ads from organic, and also you can learn a lot from organic and, and, and turn that into ads too, you know? But as long as you have clear hypotheses and, and they're, you know, the brand is on board with what that test should look like, I think it's just a matter of getting enough of those tests in to figure out and follow the data to where you need to go. That's the biggest thing. Follow the data. It'll, it'll teach you so much. But I, I, I love what you said about that because I think another thing a lot of times people do is they test too many things at once. Totally. So I love that you're saying. Yeah. Super clear. This is the one thing we're trying to figure out with this test. Yeah. And from this test, we're trying to learn this one thing. So then you can break down the full funnel from when someone first hears about your brand and becomes aware of their brand through starting to consider whether they should buy it to purchase. Mm -hmm. You can test very individual parts of that. Yeah. Like, hey, are people just not interested in what we're selling? That's a good thing to know first. Totally. Then once they are, it's like, well, why aren't they buying? Or, you know, you start solving those other problems. So yeah, I love it. What, when, when someone comes to you and says, Hey, I've got an e-com product. It's great. What's like your playbook. That's like pretty like tried and true. Yeah. Like here are the things you should be doing. Well, first thing is, is using creatively. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah, I mean. Good creative is super important. So referring people to yeah. the right creative agencies, and and we we've decided as an agency that we're not really going to get into the actual like creative making. We're more of like creative strategists specifically for yeah. the platforms that we are on. And I think that's better because uh, like being a specialist is like you have to you have to really know your stuff. And I feel like. If I were to try to get into what Damien and you know, it would take away from what I do, what, what we do as ad yeah. buyers, you know? So 
I think that's a huge important part is like stay in your lane, focus on what you do best and, and, and have partners that do what you can't do like a hundred times better than you, you know? So that's a one, number no, one key so to success partners that are amazing. Um, well, one of the keys to success, but yeah, well, I mean, when they take us a problem that they're facing, we typically like to start off with an audit. Um, we'll, and this is really common practice in ad agency world, but we audit the account, you know, we see like all the improvements we can make and we typically make like a very detailed playbook as to what we would do and what we would change. Um, you know, like most accounts, like the one of the biggest things is creative and headlines, you know, they, they're they just not sending people the right creative and they're not testing enough copy to really make a difference. I would say copy is anywhere from 15 to 10, 10 to 15% of your your success on Facebook is is due to the copy. So I mean, you're you know you can increase your account by ten percent just by finding the right headline. Um, you know we we like to test the variables very methodically as well. Um, so only one test at a time, and and really, I think one of the secret sauces to what we do is we don't follow Facebook's best practices typically. <laughs> we follow what's doing that's why we love working best. with you guys. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we we all we always test what Facebook wants us to test. You know, like we were very heavily yeah. invested in ASC plus. Um, you know, everything Facebook likes to do, but we like to do what makes the account work, and that's the difference, right? Well, and I think that's such an important point. I mean, it, is, it really is one of the reasons we like working with you guys is because uh, I think you guys and and we feel the same way. Is like you guys are so great at what you guys do. It allows us to focus on what we do creatively. Um, and and I think that that's something that like you have to remember Facebook is trying to do what's in their best interest, which is make as much money yes. as possible off of the ads. 100%. They don't want you. I mean, Facebook doesn't want me to have a high ROAS. Yeah. They really don't. No. They, they'd rather uh, have if they did, more money. they'd make a lot less money. Yeah. And so they want to find an equilibrium. They also don't want to screw us. They want us to have a suspicion sustainable business mm -hmm. uh, but there's an equilibrium there and so i always thought it was funny when people are like well facebook's telling me i should do you know six second videos and it's like of course they are that's <laughs> yeah. where they make the most money yeah they get like, the most impressions served that way yeah <laughs> that's right there's a reason why youtube's always pitching the not or the the non-skippable mm -hmm. 15 second ad because where they it's where they charge the most yeah. by far. Yeah, I don't love this. I mean, they love the skippable ad because it's also great. It's a great way for new brands to test. And yeah. if you have great creative, the skippable ad's so much better. But you have to be willing to think on your own and not just accept what they totally. tell you. Yeah, the biggest example of that is what people call audience overlap. You've probably heard of overlap yeah. before, and. Most ad buyers who listen to what Facebook says, it, you know, you can only have one interest or one look like targeted in the whole account that's the same. You know, like if, if you're targeting yoga people, you can only have one of those interests running. And the way that we run things is we kind of, we, we do what we call a tournament bracket. So you have three pieces of creative. They all get put into their own separate ad sets, spending the same amount of money. What this does is it ensures, I mean, you can do that with rules and stuff like that, but it's just easier to do it this way. What that does is it makes you, it, it makes Facebook spend the same amount of money on the same audience with, with each ad instead of Facebook 
deciding which ad it wants to push. So you're, you are effectively deciding which ads you want to push and without Facebook's preference. And so what it does is it, it makes the playing ground even, you know, I mean, maybe Facebook is showing ads to someone different that, you know, maybe has a higher, you know, likelihood of converting. But if you spend enough money, you're going to get like a sample size that's actually accurate. And from there you can say, okay, these all got a thousand dollars of spend. This one is the clear winner. Let's iterate off of this one. Then you can make new copy. You can create new new hooks, new new everything new around that angle, and just dive into that farther. You know, so I think that's a more effective way to test. And Facebook doesn't recommend it, but it does well for us. <laughs> well, and I think that that's something. I mean, one of the things that I right after we started talking with you guys and working with you guys. I can always tell who's a good ad buyer because they're willing to be wrong. And and we've worked with other ad buy, buyers who we ended up firing because it was like, you're never wrong. And that's really weird. It's really weird that we asked you to test a hundred things and every single one that you didn't like turned out didn't work. And then when we actually go into the account, we're like, what are you talking about? This worked great. And and so you, we, we've had ad buyers who like, they just hate long form. And... They're just like, oh, that sucks. We tried it. It didn't work. And then I go into the account. I'm like, it's the best piece of content in the account. What are you talking about? And then we just fire him because it's like, we're just not going to put up with that. And I, I think that's exactly. And and it's because you never know. You never All the know. time. Like, yeah. we've had conversations with you guys where it's like, oh, I don't know. Let's try this. And there'll be something you guys will throw out. And we're like, oh, I, I don't think that will work. But I'm more than open to it. Trying. And there's stuff the opposite way. Where we're like, hey, what about this? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know if that's gonna work. And it's like, oh, it did work. And that's you have to have a humility with ad buying and being willing to be wrong. And that's my easiest hack for knowing who to hire as an ad buyer. The ad buyer who thinks they know everything, you should stay away from and you should hire today because they're just it's gonna be a self-fulfilling prophecy. They're just gonna do everything they think is right, and you're never gonna get that, you know that surprise of, hey, here's this crazy thing, that idea that we threw out and we didn't think it would work, but it did. And that's wild. Okay, now let's let's drill down. Like you said, that's what we love about your guys' approach is you're willing to think for yourselves and say, I know that Facebook doesn't recommend this, but there's a reason why and here's why. And here's why we do like it. And now let's leverage it to our advantage. Totally. Yeah, I totally agree. And our founder, Braden Simmons, is probably... He's a guy I've learned humility and ad buying from, I think, the most. Um, really, I, I think I, I started out like that. I, I started out really like getting an ad buying at Chamber Media. And at the time, you know, they I started, I think I was like number 13, 15, something like that. By the time I left, they were like at like 100 or something like that. But with that growth and with that like mindset they had, they were very much like that. Um, you know, I was kind of trained to, you know, this is the way and this is the only way kind of thing. But over time, I've realized you keep clients longer, too, if you're 100% honest and telling them, hey, this one might not work or all of these might not work. You know, you, you have to be very honest with them like, and, and tell them, like, guys, sometimes we're wrong, but we're willing to learn with you because every dollar spent can either be looked at as a failure or 
a reason to keep on trying, you know? And that's, uh, you know, so many products. There's so many times. I mean, we've even had clients recently that were working on with you guys who have been like, oh, this stopped working. And then you tweak something. It's like, oh, now it's working again. And it's just being willing to like, sometimes weird stuff. I mean, that happens every day almost where you're like, that was a great day. What happened? And it's like, well, we tried this little thing. And like, oh, cool. And then there's stuff where you're like, we tried this other thing. It didn't work as well. And so you just have to be willing to. And then over years or months even, you start to see these improvements because it's just optimizing, optimizing, optimizing. Yep. And and it, it really does turn into the, you know, the, 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 the snowball effect after after a while. You know, you start to see all of your your down funnel campaigns start to do better the audiences get bigger um and it it takes a long time though you know like for example like salt um, a video that we did with you guys they 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 did start off pretty hot um like you know they had record-breaking months like month after month i think for the first three months and then the video started to to dip a little bit and I told them, I was like, guys, like, we're not going to turn this off. This is still doing what we need to do. This could just be a month or a, a week or a few weeks that just aren't as well. You know, it's your business might just not be doing as well. Sure enough, a month later, we kept spending. I just told them we need to keep spending and had another record-breaking month, you know. So it's it's also seasonal, you know. Like you got to scale back when 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 you're not when your 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 website isn't converting the best. But there's going to be times where you see it just start to go, and that's when you just got to attack. You know, increase that budget. Um, try all the things. You know, a, a big rule of thumb too that we've learned over the years is is having a specific budget for testing. Um, we only like to test about 10 to 15% of overall budget um, and have the rest be evergreen. Um, but yeah. yeah. So you're not just constantly in testing mode. Exactly. Yeah. So I love it. Dude, so awesome. Uh, so fun to always chat and talk about big ideas. And yeah, man. Just always fun working with you. You guys are the best. It's been fun. Appreciate you coming on. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Of course. Yeah. Great, great being on. And, so many more projects coming up, man. I'm excited for some of these ne- new ones coming up. Yeah. Yeah. Where where can people find out more about Empire? Um, Empire.media is our website. Um, or okay. you can just come visit us. We're in Lehigh, Utah. Yeah. <laughs> come by the office anytime you guys want. We're, we're always just here working. So. <laughs> to love it. Well, you guys are the best. And thanks again for coming and being yeah. a guest. Of course. Yeah. My pleasure. Thanks, Jay. Awesome.